0: Welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Well, folks, I'm going to pray. Would you pray uh, with me this morning? And we're going to get into the Word of God. Uh tonight or tonight. I'll show, I'll show where I'm at this morning. This morning's word is going to be called From Issues to Influence. So let's pray together. Come on, lift your hands with me. Lord Jesus. Lord, I thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you for the underpinning power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you that your presence is in this place. And I thank you that, Lord, your strength is perfected in weakness and so Lord today I just pray that your people would hear from you please use me to speak your word animate me give me the grace I need to deliver what you have delivered to me and I pray ultimately Lord that there would be deliverance in the house this morning that there would be shouts of joy Lord that there would be freedom and there would be hope and restoration again in the name of Jesus it's what you do Lord like the song says do what you're famous for Lord in the name Of Jesus, we just want to hear from you and see you as you are in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen Amen and Amen. Bless the Lord. Okay, so folks, today I'm going to be talking out of a very familiar passage of scripture. It's in Matthew, Mark, excuse me, chapter 5, and it's verses 1 to 20. It's a big reading, but it's a good reading. Amen. So you can turn there if you want to. I'm going to give you a little bit of brief context. Um, as you're turning. Jesus. This this actually uh, is an account of an exorcism. It is the largest account of its kind in the New Testament. Jesus sails across the Sea of Galilee to the Decapolis. That is a region of 10 cities on the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee. And there Jesus encounters a man whose life has been ravaged by demons, ravaged by demons. So we're going to read the passage here um, together. Mark chapter 5 verses 1 through 20. Let's do it. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. Some of your translations will say Gadarenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat immediately, there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had uh, often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces no one had the strength to subdue him night and day among the tombs and on the mountains he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones and when he saw Jesus from afar he ran and fell down before him some translations will say he fell down and worshipped him Okay, what have you to do? It says, verse seven, and crying out with a loud voice, he said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send him out of the country, Now a herd of pigs was again feeding down on the hillside and they begged him saying, send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs and the herd numbering about 2,000 rushing down the steep bank into the sea and the pigs drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told, uh, told it in the city and in the country, and the people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw a demon-possessed man, the one who had, um, uh, had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described what, they, what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs, and they began to beg Jesus To depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be go go with him, and he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you, and how he has had mercy on you. Hallelujah. And he went and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. Hallelujah. What an amazing reading. And so, again, this morning, our topic is going to be from influence, or excuse me, from issues to influence. Amen. From issues to influence. Now, I'm a big basketball fan. I love basketball. You may not believe this, but when I was younger, I actually had aspirations of going to the NBA. Yeah, it's true. So I'm five foot nine on a good day in my wife's high heels. But back in the day, I wanted to go to the NBA. I had big, big dreams of basketball. They were dashed. As you can imagine, I'm five foot nine, probably still way about the same as an NBA player. But basketball is not in my future. Amen. Definitely a spectator from this day forth. But one of my favorite players uh, is a guy called Kyrie Irving full of ability, full of promise, but his personal issues keep getting in the way of his uh, performance. He can't seem to get beyond his personal issues and into the game. Can you identify with that this morning? When our personal issues keep us from getting into the game. And that's Kyrie Irving's problem. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I'd like to read a a quote from uh, a book by C.S. Lewis called The Screwtape Letters. Uh, You'd be familiar with it, written in the 40s. It is a back and forth between an older demon called um, Screwtape and a younger demon, his nephew called Wormwood. Screwtape is a seasoned veteran. Wormwood is a rookie, uh, keeping up with the sports analogies. And it's 31 letters talking about how uh, essentially evil works and how the enemy loves to influence us to keep us bound, to keep us out of the game. And uh, if I can find the quote, I'm going to read it. Listen to this. We must picture hell as a state where everyone is perpetually concerned about his own dignity and advancement, where everyone has a grievance and where everyone lives with the deadly with deadly serious passions of envy, self-importance and resentment. When, isn't that interesting? So when people are bound up in their issues, all of a sudden their environment begins to look a little bit like hell. You know, we're the church of Jesus Christ. We are called to influence the context we're in. You have a call to influence this morning. But when we're bound up in our issues, we tend to be bound up and our influence tends to be bound up as well. So Pastor Nick's often said it, society doesn't fail until the church fails. Well, there's a high call this morning that we'd be released from our issues and released into influence again for the sake of those around us. So I don't know if you've noticed, it's kind of like hell out there. Amen. Things aren't getting better out there. And God, there is a high calling on us all to walk in God-given calling and influence. You are called. Do you know that? Do you know that there is a call on your life? Do you know that you've been saved for a purpose? God has chosen you. Significant you are today. You may not feel it. You may be buried under your issues, but buried under those issues is a call, hallelujah, from the Lord. Let's go. Uh, Those three uh, it 's a long text there's 20, 20 verses i 'm going to divide it into three sort of subcategories today. first, I want to look at what it is to be bound by our issues. Then I want to look at what it is to be rescued from our issues. Folks, this passage is a about a rescue mission. hallelujah. Our God is a rescuing, saving God. Glory to God. There's salvation and rescue available for you this morning. And it's all through an experience of mercy. Hallelujah. So we're going to look at that. And then finally, we're going to look at the power of our influence. What happens when we get free of our issues and influence begins to flow out of our lives into our context. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Let's go. Are you ready? Um, bound by issues. Now, this text is about literal demons. It's about literal demons uh, in the Christian world today. There's superstition, which is essentially people blaming the devil for everything, which is wrong. And then there's substitution, which is people not seeing the devil in anything, which is wrong. A lot of the time, it's flesh. And the devil could learn a few things from us. Amen? But I want i want to be clear today. I'm going to be talking a lot about demons, but I'm not actually going to really be talking about literal demons today. I'm, I'm not going to be talking about literal demons, but I am going to be talking about demons because I want people to identify with this man, okay? So um, while this story is about literal demons, not all demons are literal all the demons Jesus confronts throughout the New Testament have three things in common. Are you ready? The first is they cause self-destructive behavior in the victim. The second is that the victim feels trapped in the condition that they're in. And the third is that demons cause issues, cause people to lose healthy relationships, or in other words, to end up in isolation. And the language used in the text suggests that this man was driven by his demons, driven by his issues. And that uh, literally evokes a picture of a horse and a rider, somebody driving this man, someone who'd, a force that had taken the reins on his life, an unseen, undiagnosed thing on the inside that was sort of driving or motivating his behavior. If we define demons as those forces which have captured us and attempt to keep us from becoming what God intends us to be, all of a sudden, we can begin to identify with this man. Amen? We can actually begin to. So there are things on the inside of us. Amen? Again, not, I'm not talking about literal demons. Relax, I'm not talking about literal demons, but there are things on the inside of us that drive us, that bind us, that isolate us, things under the surface that can destroy you and the relationships around you. And let me ask you this morning, what lies beneath your behaviour? What lies, what's driving you this morning? Some of us actually haven't made the link between what has taken the reins of your life and the self-destructive or possibly or uh, behavior or the relational disharmony you might be experiencing. We need to look beneath the behavior, folks. We do. Here's a word to some parents who are dealing with teenagers. Look beneath the behavior. Look to the why that causes people to do what they do. Amen. Why do people do what they do? What drives people? What instigates the behavior that can seem so destructive and catastrophic? Our demons can be of many kinds. It can be anxiety. Amen. Rejection. Fear. Fear insecurity, paranoia, addictions, obsessions, destructive habits, and so on. 2 Peter 2.19 says this, For you are a slave to whatever controls you. In the King James it says, For of whom a man is overcome, of the same he is brought into bondage. And the truth is, we can be overcome, although we are always victors in Christ, although we have the victory this morning, yet many of us can feel under the the cosh of our anxiety, our fears, our worries, all of that. And it can drive us. You know, some of us are driven by or tormented by our issues. We pay the price in our relationships. And when you aren't okay on the inside, you can often find yourself in isolation. And sometimes, folks, some of the most difficult people are the most tormented. It's the truth. And the scriptures say that the man at one stage was from the city. You read Luke's accounts. He was from the city, but he'd, he'd found himself now among the tombs. And it had been a long time since he wore clothes or lived in a home. Folks, the enemy loves to get in early. The enemy loves to come, and for some of us, there are traumas that we can look back at early in life, things that happened early, difficult things that touched our life at an early stage, and seeded things inside of us that to this day have the capacity or the potential to take the reins at any moment. Fortunately, our issues or our demons will always push the people around us to their limits, even when they're well-wishing, even when they are. People try to help this man. They try to. The scriptures say that they bound the man in chains. They did what they could. They tried to box in the behavior because they couldn't cast out the cause. Isn't that a funny thing? Why we just try and box the behavior in. or oh, we throw programs at it, sometimes medication. And these things aren't bad things, but it's sort of like trying to cut the head off a weed. We keep trying to deal with the behaviour, the behaviour, the behaviour, the behaviour. It doesn't work. There's no power in men's programmes and all that sort of thing when the issues run deeper, need to be uprooted. There has to be something divine happening in the life. And when it doesn't happen, ultimately, even the most well-wishing people tend to just back away. There's only so much worry you can verbalise before people back away from you and feel like you're just a negative person. There's only so many times you can gossip to somebody before they start to realize that if you'll gossip to people about them, you'll gossip about them to people and they pull away, amen? There's only so much anger people will deal with or, or take from you before they start to walk on eggshells around you or avoid you completely. You know, the Apostle Paul had something to say about this in Romans 7. He said, I want to do what's right, but I can't. I want to do what's good, but I don't. Have you been there? I've been there. Both hands, both feet this morning. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. And he goes on to say this, who will save me from this body of death? who will save me from this experience? And the Bible says that this demoniac, he cried out alone, isolated, trapped, crying out, who will save me from this way of being? Who will set me free from the pain of self-destruction and isolation? And folks, you and I, we need rescue. If that's you today, you, me, we need rescue from our issues. Programs won't do it. Oh, we can try, all right. And maybe people have tried with you, but we need to be rescued. We need the saving grace of the gospel. We need the gospel that saved us to continue to save us from us by his grace. Hallelujah. That's what we need. And the man cried out alone. You know, the, uh, AA have 12 steps and um, they've changed some of the wording as of late but the first two steps are interesting first is this we admitted that we are powerless over our issue that our lives have become unimagin- unimaginable or un, sorry manageable and the second is we've come to believe that a power greater than ourselves can restore us to sanity they're the first two steps in the 12-step program that the aa works with my life has become unmanageable and i need a power outside of myself to bring me back to sanity to take the reins of my life again i admit i need help lord if that's you this morning and only your power can restore me to sanity An encounter with the saving grace of the gospel is what you and I need this morning. We need rescue from our issues. We need mercy, 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 mercy. We need grace from God. We need the gospel. If we are going to walk free of our issues and walk in influence, can I get an amen this morning? Rescue, rescue, rescue in Jesus' name. So the second point I want to break down with you is this. We need rescue from our issues. And Paul said in Romans 7, who will save me from this body of death? But in Romans 8 verse 1, he answers his own question. Thanks be to God, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who were in Christ Jesus Glory to God this morning. There is no condemnation. If you are dealing with your issues, if you feel overcome, if you're in patterns of self-destructive behavior, if you feel isolated, there is no condemnation. Hallelujah, Lord. Listen, this morning, if we're going to experience rescue, we need to know some things about the Lord. And we need to recognize some things about the enemy. And then we need to look at some steps to experiencing mercy. The Bible says the man cried and cried and cried. And freedom begins with a cry. Amen? Freedom begins with a cry. When we stop trying and start crying for mercy, we are closer to freedom than ever. Hallelujah. Mercy is available today, he's full of mercy, full of redeeming love. Praise the Lord. First thing you need to know about Jesus, he's full of mercy. And this man cried and cried and cried and thought his cries fell on deaf ears. It's a quote here by Alexander McLaren. Did any of you parents ever hear your child wake from sleep with some panic, fear and shriek? The mother's name through the darkness Was not that a more powerful appeal in words and depend upon it that the soul which cries aloud on God, the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, though it have no language but a cry, will never call in vain. You may have no language, no words left, no capacity left, to to describe what you're in and how you feel. But no cry directed toward the mercy of God will go in vain, will go unheard. Hallelujah. Lord, I can't overcome these issues. I am in a type of grave this morning, isolated, self-destructive, save me. Hallelujah, the scriptures say that the demoniacs saw Jesus from a distance. I'd like to tell you this morning, Jesus saw him first. Jesus saw him first. Gee, let me tell you, look at this. Mark 35, to understand this man's story, you need to go back a chapter. To Mark chapter 4, verse 35, Bible says, On that day when evening had come, Jesus, he said to them, let us go across To the other side, hallelujah. On the other side of the Sea of Galilee, Jesus got a mission from the Father, hallelujah. And leaving the crowd, leaving the crowd. Are you seeing where we're going this morning? They took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and the other boats with him. Luke 15 verse four says this, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it on a distant shore. The son of God heard the cries of that man. The son of God heard his cries from across the sea of Galilee. Hallelujah, in heaven above, the Son of God heard the cries of the broken, alienated, oppressed, bound, and he made a journey. Hallelujah. He came to grant mercy to a man at the mercy of his demons. Hallelujah this morning. This is the grace of God to those of us who are bound this morning. He has come for an encounter with you. Hallelujah. Someone heard your cries. Someone knows your pain. Hallelujah. The Son of God left the crowd to go after the one. I'd call that reckless love. It's very controversial. We had our issues over the song lyrics to Corey Asprey's smash hit, Reckless Love. Now, I'm going to be fully transparent. I love that song, Sue Me. Wonderful. We know how it goes. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Chases me down. Fights till I'm found. Leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you give your love away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. I think that's a fitting description. Who sails into a storm for a man like that? Who sails towards a storm for a man like that? Only the son of God. The songwriter Corey Asprey, he uh, had to follow up because there was so much, such a storm over the lyrics. People were up in arms. And this is what he said about his own lyrics. His love bankrupted heaven for you, for me. His love doesn't consider himself first. It isn't selfish. Or self-serving he doesn't wonder what he will gain or lose by putting himself on the line he simply puts himself out there on the off chance that you and I might look back at him and give him that same love in return Jesus came a long way to put himself in the reach of that demoniac just to be in reach of a man who couldn't do it on his own or the reckless love of God this morning Hallelujah, he meets us in our inability with the power of redeeming love. We can't, so he comes to us. We can't rise up from the grave, from the tomb, from our issues, so he visits us. And that man thought that his cries had fallen on deaf ears all around him, yet heaven heard everything. Hallelujah this morning. Hallelujah this morning. He has come for freedom. That man must have meant something to Christ. He must have meant something to Christ. Who would want this type of person? Who would chase down this kind of man? Only the Son of God. Who would sail into a storm for a man not in victory? Hallelujah, this morning. You know, a couple of years ago, I was in a hotel. And I was just having dinner. I was by myself. And across from me was a man sitting with two of his friends. And I couldn't help but overhear their conversation. The two men were absolutely berating this man. They were stripping this man apart. They were calling him every name under the sun. Obviously, this man was a scoundrel. He'd done something wrong. He'd aggrieved these two men. And these men were dressing him down. They were dressing him down and then they got up and they left him on his own and he was just sitting at the table and I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, go over to him and tell him I love him. Go over and tell him I love him. So I got up from my table and I walked up to the man and I told him, excuse me, sir. I just want you to know that Jesus loves you. He just looked at me bewildered. He didn't know what to do with that. He didn't know what to do with that kind of love, that kind of redeeming love. Jesus loves me even after all I've done, even after my demons have pushed everyone away. Hallelujah this morning. Hallelujah this morning. Why? Because Jesus had put something inside the man that he was going to release. Hallelujah. He, was going, he put something in that man long before the enemy ever got a hold on his life. Long before the enemy started to work in issues. The Son of God had put something inside the man. The enemy tried to bury it with issues. But the Son of Man came to reach down deeper than any issues that man was dealing with to pull that calling back up to the surface. The purpose of for that man's life back up to the surface. And folks, this morning, you might be surrounded by storms. You might be surrounded by storms. Your life might be a mess, might be a disaster. Your life might be in tatters, nothing but storms all around you. I want to encourage you this morning. The size of the storm equals the size of your calling. Amen. I'm going to say that again. The size of the storm equals the size of your calling. You must be important to the Son of God for the enemy to be working so hard to keep you tied up in your issues. Hallelujah. Oh, there must be something inside of you deeper than your issues, deeper than your demons that God put inside of you in eternity past a holy calling, a purpose, influence, a capacity. It's deeper than your issues. And the son of God has come today to reach down inside of you and pull what he put inside of you to the surface. I have a date with your demons. I'm here to set you free. You don't know how important you are. They might have turned from you because of your behavior. But I have pursued you for the sake of your calling. Hallelujah. That's who he is. That's what he does. He comes for what he puts inside of us. Thank you, Lord. There are steps to freedom this morning. There are steps to experiencing mercy. What happens When relentless love meets total surrender, freedom. Hallelujah. Freedom. When relentless love meets total surrender. And that's what's happening here. The Bible says when he saw Jesus from afar, he fell down and worshipped him. The man threw himself at Jesus. Full and total devotion to the Son of God. And the Bible says his demons rose up immediately. What do you want from us, son of God? You know that the language actually means? The de- the, the, what the demons were actually saying is, hey, this has nothing to do with me, Jesus. Hey, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, whoa, this, 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 is, this is, the demons, the demons were rattled, exposed by the depth of the man's worship. When the man gave himself totally, it pushed the issues to the surface. Folks, the first thing we need to do if we want to experience this kind of mercy is surrender everything. Take it all. Take it all, Lord. Take it all. Actually, the third point in the uh, AA is it's about turning over your will and your life to, to God. Take it all, Lord. Take every last bit of it. You know, it's funny. I uh, remember Pastor Jay Alan preaching at a youth event many years back actually at this point but he said that God God responds to desperation he responds to thirst he responds to us when we come in humility and prostrate ourselves and say take it all I'm gonna encourage you to do that today heart worship will always push your issues to the surface and folks the demons knew who they were in the presence of The disciples actually didn't. You may not know who you're in the presence of this morning, but they knew he was the son of the most high God. They knew, and you know, that name is El-Elyon. El-Elyon, the son of the most, or God most high. That's what they called him. It's actually found in Genesis 14, 18 through 20, but it means the strongest of the strong. The one with all authority. Hallelujah. Or the superlative God. The superlative God. Good, better, best. Whatever he is, he is that in perfection to the uttermost and the demons knew it. There's an old hymn that goes like this. Oh Father, you are sovereign in all affairs of man. No powers uh, of death or darkness can thwart your perfect plan. All chance and Change transcending, supreme in time and space. You hold your trusting children secure in your embrace. El Elion. And folks, no demon can derail your calling. No issue can derail your calling. He has all authority. And those demons needed permission. Hallelujah. Scriptures say our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Amen. Jesus said to Peter, Satan has asked he might sift you as weeds, but I have prayed for you, and when you rise, go and be a strength to your brothers. Job could do that the devil could do nothing to Job until the Lord permitted it. El Elion, perfect one. Hallelujah. Do you know that you are in the presence of the perfect one, the one with all authority? First John 4 18 says, There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Love in its perfection, love in its superlative. The perfect love of the perfect one casts out fear because our issues are all rooted in fear. The fear of rejection, the fear of punishment and judgment. And those issues and those demons can't stay. They can't stay. But they will try and hang on. And I want to talk to you today about lies that will keep you bound unless you can recognize them. It's here in the text. I want to say don't let your demons talk you out of an encounter with Jesus. Don't let them tell you they are more powerful. Some of you have been listening to them for too long. Amen. And so the man comes and Jesus asks him, what is your name? He goes, my name is Legion. Now Legion in a and a Roman cohort, it was 6,000 soldiers. So there's two things going on here. The first lie was this You are your demons. You are your demons. You are what holds you. My name is Legion. That is my identity. My name is Anxiety. That's just, I'm just a warrior. I'm just wired that way. It's in my family. All that sort of, that's just how I'm wired. I just have a temper. That's just what I am. All that sort of thing. And Jesus, Jesus had to push through. When you look at the conversation, really break it down. Sometimes the text says, He answered Jesus. And sometimes the text says, they being the demons answered Jesus. So it's a three-way conversation between Jesus, the man and the things that held him. In other words, you are not what holds you this morning. It's a lie. If you are telling yourself or if you're allowing your issues tell you that you are just this and you will always be this and this is just Whatever the justification, you are not your demons. You have another identity completely separate to what has taken the reins of your life. You are a child of God. You belong to Jesus. He is your savior, brother, friend, redeemer. He's given you a name, given you an identity. Don't let your demons Rob you of your identity this morning. It's a lie. Hallelujah. And the next one, we're a legion. In other words, there's many of us. The next lie is this. Don't let your demons intimidate you by telling you that there's too many of them for the son of God to handle. Oh, I just got too many issues. There's just done too much. I've just done too much. It's too much for you to, you can bring it to the Lord, but there's just too much going on. Too many things, fallen too many times, made too many mistakes, guilty, all that. So it's a lie. There is no amount. I mean, look at the text. 6,000 demons fell before the son of God. They knew what the story was. You have to know that no matter how oppressed and laid, heavy laden you are this morning, that your demons are never too many for Jesus Christ. He's able. He's able. His blood has never lost its power. Hallelujah. The next text, not in this Mark's account, but in Luke's account, the demons say, don't send us into the abyss before the time. In other words, you can get free later to lie. You can get free some other time. The circumstances orchestrated by God have been presented to you now to walk into freedom. Do you know how many times I've seen people pull away at the last minute when, God, when, when, when the circumstances are ripe, ripe for them to come into step into freedom and they pull back. As if they think they've got more time than they do. Or I've got more, I can just, you know, you know somehow, somewhere, God is just going to, you know, whip it all up and present it to me on another day where I'm more ready. You know, I've met some young people who literally say, I've, oh, you know, I believe everything about God. Yeah, that's all true and it's all right. And yeah, God is good and all the rest of it. But, you know, I, I want to just kind of live my own way for a while. And when I'm older, then I'll give my life to Jesus. It's a lie. Now is the appointed time. Now is the appointed time. Now is the season for deliverance. Now is the time for you to embrace mercy from God. And the last lie, and maybe the most interesting, I think the devil always overplays his hand, is this. The Bible says again and again, they begged him not to send them out of the area not to send them out of the territory. Do you remember the screw tapes quote? Let me read it again. We must picture hell as a state where everyone is perpetually concerned with his own dignity and advancement, where everyone has a grievance and where everyone lives with the deadly serious passions of envy, self-importance and resentment. The enemy knows that if he can keep you driven by your demons... He can maintain control of your territory. It's not personal. That is the last lie. That it's personal. That your issues are about you. Your issues are not about you. Your issues are about your territory. If he can lock you in darkness, he can lock your sphere of influence in darkness. Or if he can bury your calling under issues... He can keep you from affecting the people around you. Think about. The, de- the demons didn't care about the man. They cared about maintaining a foothold in the territory. What happens when the church is tied up in their own personal issues? Their surroundings become hell. And that's exactly what's going on here. The de- it's not personal this morning. The devil is after the calling. you know, it's funny the devil can see our calling better than we can. It's funny. The devil can see what God has put in you, even if you can't. He's after your influence this morning. The enemy would love for you to be strategically placed, but too wrapped up in your demons to influence those around you. Interesting. So the Bible says that Jesus, in a active I believe mercy sends the demons into the pigs. He sends the demons into the pigs. Now, I have looked and and tried to see why this happened. And I'll be honest with you, I can't find a single commentator who seems to know. Everybody's sort of just going, as to why this may or may not have happened. So I'm going to give you some of my ideas. There are two lessons we learn from the pigs. The first one is this pattern of the demonic is always self-destruction. It's always self-destruction. Something was exposed about the nature of our issues and the, the, the agenda of the So The Son of God comes, his agenda is freedom and life. John chapter 10, the enemy stealing, killing and destroying. But the Son of God has come to give life and life abundantly and never more Prevalent or never more obvious is it even than here in this text. I'm coming to give life. The enemy is about taking life. But this is what I really believe. The pigs were about mercy. The pigs were about mercy. And this is why. Because that man got to see every issue and every demon. Leave him and enter something else. And fall down into the sea. So, for his entire life, he could say, There but for the grace of God go I. Hallelujah. There but for the grace of God go I. If it wasn't for mercy, if it wasn't for grace, if it wasn't for the love and kindness of God, if it wasn't for the gospel at work in my life, I would be no different to those pigs. You see, What killed the pigs straight away couldn't kill this man. Why? Because even with all of his issues, the call on his life kept him from destruction. Amazing this morning. Because there is a call on your life, what would have killed somebody else? What would have ended somebody else? Although you're oppressed and waylaid, it will not be your end there but for the grace of God go I there go the pigs it could have been me off that cliff yeah. thank you this morning well, I think we all know about Nikki Cruz the cross and the switchblade his story is the story of storms and demons and the mercy of God That's what he said my family was very thick into witchcraft especially my mother and father. My father was a satanic priest and my mother was a witch. Cruz could not understand why God would plant him in the womb of a witch to be cursed together with his father. It was hard for him to grasp. The abuse that I went through was very serious. When my mother tells me that I'm a son of Satan, I started to believe it. He said, remember the enemy likes to get in early. There was a lot of things happening in my childhood. There were the storms. I tried to commit suicide by hanging myself in a tree, but I couldn't handle the curse that my mother gave me. I was in a dark hole in my life and I was just a child. At the age of nine, his heart turned to stone after a severely abusive episode and a failed suicide attempt. He said, I died when I was nine years old. The day my mother told me that I was not her son and to get out of her life, she killed me. She put a big hole in me. Moving forward, Nikki moved to New York, very quickly rose to the top of a gang called the Mau Mau's. But listen to this as Nikki's violent reputation grew, so did his haunting. Nightmares, arrested countless times. A court-ordered psychiatrist pronounced Nikki's fate as hopeless. They did what they could and then they turned him over into the tombs. It was though a skinny preacher named David Wilkerson, who was in New York for an outreach, that Cruz was introduced to the love of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah this morning. As shared in Cruz's website, Wilkerson disarmed Nicky by showing him something he had never known before relentless love his interest in the young thug was persistent nikki beat him up spat on him and seriously threatened his life yet the love of god prevailed it was stronger than any adversary nikki had ever encountered and one night against the odds jesus christ broke through the walls that surrounded nikki's heart nikki describes it as if he'd been admitted to the Holy Ghost Hospital. As Nikki lies there vulnerable, Jesus walks to his side, opens Nikki's chest, takes out his heart and puts it to his lips to kiss it. The Lord then placed the transformed heart back in his chest and raised him up as a brand new creation. Oh, relentless love this morning. Relentless love this morning. Relentless love this morning. I'd like to end by just talking about the power of influence. This man was delivered from his demons, delivered from his issues. They no longer held the reins of his life. He was again, again, captivated by mercy. We talk about the release of an influence on an area. They came and found him clothed in his right mind, Submitted to the truth, sanity restored at the feet of Jesus. Mercy had done its work. And folks, your life will become a sign when you have been delivered. The Apostle Paul describes us in the, describes the Corinthians as living epistles. We become the only Bible people will ever read. But make it a good read, hallelujah, a story of relentless love a story of mercy, a story of redemption and overcoming, a story of one-way love. Hallelujah. And the agenda of the kingdom of God was put on full display. Jesus brings life. The devil steals, kills, and destroys. What was once unseen under the surface, under the skin, was now on full display for people to see. The devil is a liar and a killer and a murderer from the beginning. And his agenda was exposed as what it was. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And when the Lord touches you with mercy and breaks apart the things that hold you, There will be two types of people that you will encounter. The first type says in the text are the people who will see Jesus as a threat to their comfort, to their well being, to their way of life. The people who prefer bacon to blessing. The people who don't want Jesus to rattle the cages. The people who prefer bondage to a risky freedom the people who want the status quo, who want things to stay just as they are, the people who don't want you to talk about Jesus, don't want you to talk about his power and his love and his mercy. You're going to meet some of them. But the scriptures also say that many were amazed at the man's story. You are going to meet people who are ready to receive the grace of God, who will be amazed at the gospel, the message, Of the Lord's mercy. And folks, let me say this. Some of you think that just because God sets you free, you should leave the place he set you free from. The place of your former captivity. And it might be that for some of you. But I would say for many of you, Jesus is calling you to influence the same region, but for a different kingdom. Hallelujah. It takes faith to go. Takes more faith to stay. For some of you, Jesus would say, "I don't need to take you out. Of, I don't need to take you out of it. I took it out of you. I said, I don't need to take you out of it. I took it out of you. There's another kingdom at work in you now. Go tell of the Lord's mercy." I got one more story, and then I'm out of your hair. The famous evangelist D.L. Moody said this. He he speaking of this passage he said i can imagine the children of the man running to see him coming they run and tell their mother oh mother mother father is coming woman says is he run and fasten the doors and windows quickly they are all afraid of him When he has been there before, he acted like a madman, broken the chairs, tipped over the tables, dashed the furniture about, driven his wife out of the doors and nearly frightened the children to death. Now they fasten him out and the children hide behind their mother's dress and listen. Hark, he knocks at the door, but they dare not let him in. He tries the door and finds it fastened. Then he calls Mary Mary, why his wife, says his wife, that sounds as his voice used to when I first married him. What could have happened to him? Then she goes to the door and says softly, James, is that you? Yes, Mary, I have come home. You don't need to be afraid of me anymore i'm in my right mind now the woman opens the door just a little looks into his eyes seeing that he is gentle and kind then she throws it wide open and springs into his arms weeping for joy and saying james james what has happened to you jesus of nazareth cast all the devils out of me and then he sent me home to you safe and well answers the man who is this Jesus that, he, that you say has cured you? He asked the wife. Jesus, did you never hear of him? He is a great Galilean prophet that people think he is the Christ. He goes all about healing sick folks, casting devils from people just like me. Only the other day, he opened the eyes of a man who was born blind. You must go and see him, Mary and take the children and hear the wonderful words he speaks. Maybe he would take up Johnny and Sarah in his arms and bless them as he did some of the other children. I see them talking together of the great joy that has come to them through Jesus of Nazareth. And I'm sure that they love him very much in that household for what he's done for them. Pretty soon the children begin to get confidence in their father. And one after another, they steal up to him and climb into his arms. And now... All that broken-hearted family are united once more. He kisses them. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. He kisses them. He hugs them. And he tells them how glad he is to get back to them. Then after a little while, they run out to see their playmate shouting, Papa has come. Papa is come. And he is good and gentle like your papa. Jesus did it. Jesus did it out of the mouths of babes and suckling. You've ordained praise. Ah, my friends, Jesus is the great deliverer. I like to think of him as a physician who can cure everything. He has never lost a patient. And he is more than the most skilled doctors in Chicago can say. Hallelujah this morning. Would you stand with me? I'm going to pass it over to Pastor Nick. Would you hand it over? Listen. There will be a time when he deals with evil definitely, definitively. A day when he will cast those demons into the abyss forever. But mercy is available today. He has all authority. He's full of mercy. Because he endured the storm of Calvary. To enter enemy territory and release captives from their tombs. And bring many sons to glory. That man was freed from a love that pursued, a love that saw the root cause, a love that didn't judge and a love that released him into purpose. And it's just a call as I hand it over to Pastor Nick. Mercy and redeeming love is here. Come out of your tomb. There is a battle on for more than just you. It's for your territory as well. Hallelujah.